We're in our fourth lesson today in our message series, Heart Matters. Um, it has been really, really good. I've really enjoyed it. And so we're going to continue on in this series today. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to break open your word. Thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven, and I pray that you let it settle into the good soil of our hearts today. I pray that you do that, Lord, so that we can experience life with you, walking it out every day in accordance to your word and by your spirit. Sanctify your word. Lift these words off the page. Write these words on the tablets of our hearts today so that our lives may be changed, so that we can have strength and encouragement for the warfare that we find ourselves in. And so thank you for your word. We give you praise and glory for what you are going to say through me today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You know, I, um, I spent some time with my mom on the phone. My mom's amazing. Uh, my mom just turned 83 years old. Yeah, you know, man, I wasn't even going to say this, but, you know, I was 18, and my mom was given 18 months to live. Uh, she, was, she was diagnosed with a rare, aggressive form of sickle cell anemia. And they said, you know, get your house in order, and you got to go. Uh, it's time, you're going to leave this place. And my mom said, she told me, she said, I turned my face to the wall like Hezekiah. And I, wow, wasn't expecting that. She said, I turned my face to the wall like Hezekiah and said, I have six children. And you promised me that if I honored my mother and father, that my days would be long. I have honored my mother and father. And I'm taking you at your promise. And I'm expecting you to heal me. She walks around today with not a trace in her body. Not a trace. Wow. I certainly wasn't expecting that. Yeah, why do you do that to me? But I was talking to my mom yesterday, and she was telling me about natural remedies. And uh, when she was growing up, you know, they didn't have all the... My wife keeps giving me this. I'm just... Just keep a supply, baby. I might need them. Um... <coughs> They, we, my, when my mom was growing up, they had all these natural remedies that you could just get out in the fields. And so she told me about two of them. She said, okay. She said, because I asked her, I said, I want you to tell me about some of your natural remedies. She said, well, you know, my mother used to go out to the fields and she used to pick these herbs and she used to brew them down into a tonic. She said, one thing that I remember really well is this mixture of mullein leaves pine kernels, and rabbit tobacco. And I said to myself, I didn't know that rabbits <laughs> used, used tobacco, man. What, what is that all about? But she said her mom would take it and she would boil it down into this elixir, this tonic, and she would, she would then strain it and then she would give it to the children twice a year, and this is how they, they categorized. They said when the sap would rise in the spring, she'd give them this tonic, and when the sap would fall in the fall, 
she would give them this elixir or tonic. And my mom said we were rarely, rarely sick. They had a remedy for everything. I'm a little side journey here. This was before the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry has a pill for everything, man. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They have a pill for everything now. And it's crazy because if you're not careful, I was watching a commercial the other day, and it was uh, one of those, I think it had the eczemas, it was an eczema commercial. You know, they showed these people walking around all happy, and their, their blotch of eczema like is uh, reduced down to almost nothing. But then at the end, you got to watch the disclaimers, yeah. right? <laughs> Side effects could be <laughs> blurred vision, blurred speech. Stomach ulcers, stroke, heart attack, and sometimes death. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of remedy is that? <laughs> right? But they have all these, these different remedies. Um, so, I mean, that, and that's, that's, those are the, the chemical remedies. Now, my mom also told me about this natural remedy that it has stuck with me since she told me about this, when I was a little child, I prayed to God I wouldn't have to take this remedy. It's, <laughs> it's called cow chip tea. Oh. Yeah, y'all, okay, so I know you already know what it is, but I'm just going to take my time and explain it to you, okay? So back in the day, everybody say back in the day. Back in the day, they had these free-range grazing cows. They were just like, you know, you have to worry about your cow. Nobody would steal your cow, right? And the cows weren't in these stalls, these manufactured stalls that they have these days, you know. These cows were able to just walk the range and graze, right? So they had these free-range grazing cows. The cows would eat, their stomachs would get full, they'd process the food, and they'd eliminate the waste, right? And we know those things as cow pies, right? Cow chip tea. So what would happen is these, these cow pies would, would be out in the pasture, and over the years, they would dry out, and then the rain would come, and the rain allegedly helped to purify them. <laughs> right? So, so my, mom, my, my mother's mom, my grandma, would take these She'd go out and she'd find the right one and she'd take these cow pies and she'd break them up and then she would put them in boiling water and she would boil them. And then she would take a strainer and strain it and she would, she would make the kids drink it <laughs> once a year. I said, give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, man. But you have, you have all these natural remedies, and now we have pharmaceutical remedies. There's a remedy for everything, but there is only one lasting remedy for a troubled heart. Only one. There's only one lasting remedy for a troubled heart. And Jesus gives us what that remedy is in our text Today, So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to set the context here for you. 
Jesus was on the last leg of his journey here on earth, and he was talking to his disciples. And once again, he was telling them, guys, I'm about to check out of here. I am leaving you. I'm going. And they, their hearts were troubled, man. They had walked with him for over three years. Their hearts were troubled. Their savior, their teacher, their mentor was leaving. So Jesus says this to them. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. And for those of you who are listening and watching via Facebook Live, I want you to know I'm reading out the ESV version. I, I like this version a lot. Um, but if you've been around LifeSpring for any period of time, you know that I tell you that, you know, there's only one good version for, for you. There's only one best version for you. You know what that is? The one that you will faithfully read. That's the best version. So I'm reading out of the ESV today. I'm going to also take a couple of scriptures out of another translation. Here's what the word of the Lord says. This is Jesus speaking. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not, so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where, you, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. I added that, that fourth verse in there. And you know the way to where I am going. I do not have to tell you that we live in a world that affords us all kinds of opportunities to worry, all kinds of opportunities to, for our hearts to be anxious and troubled about what's going on every single day. Sometimes every moment of the day, we have opportunities for our hearts to be troubled. And in the midst of the turmoil going around us, Jesus offers us several truths in our text today that we need to know, to really know if we're going to form a lasting remedy for our troubled hearts. Truths of these texts really center on two things, the promises of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, and the peace of God. Okay, so what do I need to know, Pastor, from this text? Here's the first thing you need to know. Know in whom, hmm, know and trust in whom you believe. Know and trust in whom you believe. Know and trust in whom you believe. The word know here in the Greek is a really interesting word. It means to understand through experience. I want you to lock that in your minds because it's going to be important. It means to understand through experience. I know King Solomon once said that there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. The same problems that humanity has always been faced with are the same problems that we're faced today, that we're facing today. Amen? The same ones. And so here Jesus instructs his disciples, and the Word of God is instructing us too. You believe and trust in God, Jesus says, believe also in me. Now listen, this was, this, this was spoken in the form of a command. This wasn't a suggestion, Rob. 
He's saying, listen, you know the character of your God. I want you to believe and trust in me. Here's what we know about our God. Here's what we know about our Lord. God does not change. He never fails. He cannot lie. And he always keeps his promises. Let me say it again. God does not change. He never fails. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Oh, man. See, I'm getting, I'm getting happy right now. I'm just preaching myself happy right now. And he always keeps his promises. I, I, I looked at this, this passage in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews chapter, chapter 6, verse 16 through 19 in the New Living Testament puts it like this. He says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath. So that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. <laughs> Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, and it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope will usher us into the presence of God. I didn't know we were going to get stuck on this today, but God knew. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Hmm. So just like Jesus instructed his disciples back then to know and to trust in whom they believe, the scripture today, this, this text today challenges us to know and trust the character of our Father we must know and trust in whom we believe. I, Lee Hudson used to say it like this. I, I just love this. Lee says, we have to know in the part of us that knows things. That we can trust our God and our Father. And then we have to act out in faith because that's what belief is. It's acting out on what we trust. Wow. Okay, so pastor, how do I get to this place of trust? Here's the second one. Know that there is a place where you belong. Know that there is a place where you belong. You know, belonging is a big deal, isn't it? Some of the best, some of the, the most popular TV shows ever are all about belonging. Here's my favorite. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You know the song. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. The troubles are all the same. 
You want to go where everybody knows. Right? <laughs> belonging. Everybody say belonging. belonging. Everyone wants to have a place to belong. We're wired for that. Jesus promised us that he was going to make preparations to ensure that we could join him in the Father's presence. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also a place of belonging. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so what I have told you, that word house means dwelling place. It, where my Father dwells. Where my father dwells, there are many rooms. That word room in the Greek means a staying or abiding place, a place of abode. In my father's house, where he dwells, is a place for you. Okay, let me say it again. Let me say it a different way. Jesus has prepared a place in the presence of God for you to dwell. The Father who is omnipresent dwells in heaven. And Jesus has prepared a place for us, for us to be able to dwell in his presence. Hmm. See, this scripture really isn't about huge buildings in heaven. This scripture is about space. It's about the space that we have with our Father. Jesus is telling us, he says, listen, man, there is room in heaven for you. And there's also room right now. Everybody say right now. Right. There's room right now for you in the presence of God. You and I belong in the presence of God. You and I belong in the presence of God. <laughs> Jesus has given us the rite of passage straight to God, the God of all creation who happens to be our Father. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. What is Jesus describing here? He's describing his death on the cross. And his death was to reconcile us back to the Father. He's describing his resurrection and his ascension to the Father as the perfectly spotless Lamb of God. That's what he's describing. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. He's talking about his assumed role of authority at the Father's right hand. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to sit on the right-hand side of my Father in the position of power. Watch this now. Ever making intercession for you. Why? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53 and 5. He was a man of sorrow acquainted with our grief. So it's, he has the covenant right to sit by the Father on the right-hand side. Who 
and make intercession with the Father to the Father for you, Matt. For you, Tammy. Yeah, Connie, for you too. Jesus has prepared a way for us to not have to wait until we get to heaven to be in the Father's presence. Okay, okay, watch this. So, it is impossible for you to be filled with anxiety in the presence of God. In your presence, David said, there is fullness of joy. Fullness. Everybody say fullness. fullness. Last time I checked when something was full, there was no room for anything else. In your presence is fullness. Somebody say fullness. Jesus went to prepare a place for us to be able to be in the presence of God, in the fullness of his presence where there is joy. And where there's the fullness of God, there is no anxiety. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Listen, listen. Oh, man. Man, I want to I stand on a chair so bad. <laughs> listen to me, man. Listen. This world is not our home. This world is not our final dwelling place, man. Praise Jesus for that. This world is not our final dwelling place. It's not our home. Jesus says, I'm going to come again. That has, listen, that has two meanings. He says, when I come again, it's not just about the second coming, but it's an expression of his continual coming to us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'll come, okay, stop it. Stop, Greg, stop for a second. It is necessary that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. And when the comforter comes, he will not just be with you, he will be what? It is the role of the Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters, to guide us into the presence of God. It's his role. So you and I must know in the part of us that knows things that Jesus has prepared a place for us to belong. And anything less than experiencing the presence of God in our lives, we are living beneath our privilege.
You want to know how to get victory in your life over the things that the enemy throws at you? Live in the presence of God because it's possible for you. It's possible. Okay, so here's the final truth for today. We, you and I have to know that we can abide in peace in the midst of the storm. All right, man, listen, I don't know about you, but the storms of life get intense sometimes, don't they? You and I can abide in peace in the midst of the storm. Here's a key statement that I want you to to remember. Take this with you. Write it down. The remedy for a troubled heart is in an abiding relationship with Jesus. The remedy for a troubled heart is in an abiding relationship with Jesus. The remedy for a troubled heart is in an abiding relationship with Jesus. Let me read this to you, man, out of John. John chapter 15. I'm going to spend just a few minutes in John, and then I'm going to be ready to close. John 15, verse 7. Listen to what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Listen to this. Listen to this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, how do the words of God, of Jesus, abide in us? Where does that come from? That's not a rhetorical question. You guys can answer the question for me. Where do the words of Jesus that make their place in our heart and abide in our hearts, where do they come from? I'll give you a clue. The Word of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be given to you. Why is that, Pastor Greg? Why is Jesus so confident? Because if the Word of Jesus abides in you, you're not going to ask anything out of the will of God. Okay. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my father, by this is, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that, so that you prove to be my disciples. Put your glasses on, pastor. That's better. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Listen to this, man. Listen to this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Everybody say full. Full. The remedy to a troubled heart is in an abiding relationship with Jesus. Now, flip over to 1 John. First John chapter 4. 
Man, I love this passage. Beginning at verse 16. John the Revelator writes, we have come to know and believe. We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Watch this now. By this is love perfected or matured in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Watch this, watch this. There is no fear in love. There's no anxiety in love. <laughs> but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected or matured in love. Wow. Isn't that good? I love what Daniel, what, what the Bible commentator Daniel Aiken says about, about these verses. He said, these two Greek words for know and believe are so closely connected that they form what should be considered something of a compound verb since they both concern the object of love. They are both in the perfect tense, which signifies that the result of these two characteristics is an abiding reality. There is a definite order and emphasis in the verbs. Knowledge is prior to and explained by faith. Faith must have content. Keep the faith is nonsensical. Faith in what? Faith in what is always the crucial question. When one abides in the love of God, his knowledge of God grows and his faith in God grows. And the more we love him, the more we understand him. And in turn, we trust him more and our faith increases. That's powerful, man. So it brought me to this statement. There is a place that you can get to in your faith where no matter what comes against you, you may be shaken, but you will not fall. Let me say that again. There is a place that you can get to in your faith where no matter what comes against you, you may be shaken. But you will not fall. Turn to the person next to you and say, you may be shaken. No, 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 no. Don't like half say it. Because see, you don't know what the person next to you might, might not be going through, what they might be going through. Listen, look at them and say, you may be shaken, but you will not fall. We don't have to fall, man. We do not have to fall. We do not have to fall. If our lives are built and founded on the word of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to show you what Jesus says about that. Matthew chapter 7. Yes, Matthew 7. 
Everybody say this with me. The Word of God. The Word of God. Listen to this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. There is a place that we can get to in our faith where no matter what comes against us, we may be shaken, but we will not fall. So what does this mean for me, Pastor Greg? I want to challenge you to do five things this week. And they're, they're, they're simple, but they're rich, they're foundational. And here are the five. I'm going to challenge you to cultivate your knowledge and trust in God. If you want a place to start, just go to, just go to the Bible. Just go to BibleGateway.com if you want to and type in the word good or God is good or God is worthy of trust or trustworthy and just start to meditate on those scriptures. Cultivate your knowledge of who your father is because the more you cultivate your knowledge, the deeper your trust will be. Find a place of peace in his presence. Again, read and reflect on the word of God daily. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate both day and night. He will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in his season. And whatever it does will prosper. Yeah. Yeah, so read and reflect on God's word daily. Find your place of peace in his presence. Take him at his word. Talk to God and other followers. Pray to God. Pray for others. Pray to God. Pray for others. And pray with others. I have said this a million times and I will continue to say it. Isolation kills. We were never meant to take this journey alone. We were never meant to take this journey alone. Close your eyes for a second. Raise your hand if you have been through a struggle, I mean a real struggle in the last couple of weeks. Just raise your hand. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're bold enough, open your eyes up. If you're bold enough, I want you to raise your hand again so the others around you can see. Listen, man, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see that all of our troubles are all the same. Take some time to pray for and pray with someone. If God puts someone on your heart, listen to me, listen to me. God places someone on your heart, call them. If you don't have their number, you've got the number of somebody that has their number. Call them. Pray with them. Pray for them. I'm going to challenge you to do that today. I mean, not today, but this week. Here's what it does. It'll strengthen you, and it will deepen relationships. You ever had somebody call you out of the blue, just call you and say, I was praying for you? Let me ask you this. How did that make you feel? All kinds of things popping up. Do that for somebody this week. Challenge you to do that. Take courage. Listen, God sees what you're going through. He heard you when you prayed. He heard you when you prayed. I am really getting ready to wrap this up, but man, I was... I, <laughs> you guys are laughing. I'm serious, man. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to get... I'm, I'm up here high because I want you to see. Listen, man, spiritual warfare is real. And I'm telling you, man, I don't want to run you off. and I don't want you to be afraid, but I want, I want to let you know something. If you are part, if you're a member of this church and we are glad, we want you to be a member of this church. You will not be able to stay here and get plugged in and not grow in your faith. It is impossible. But, but at every new level of growth, there is a new devil that is trying to take you out. The prophet Daniel in Daniel chapters 9 and, and chapters 10, it says, it says the prophet Daniel prayed to God for 21 straight days. He prayed to God, fasted and prayed for 21 straight days. The warfare in the heavenlies were so intense that God sent Daniel's answer the moment that he prayed, but the answer got held up in the spirit realm. Okay. For those of you who didn't know that that kind of spiritual warfare exists and that there's principalities that can prevent your prayers or delay your prayers from being answered, it's right there in Scripture. So God sent the answer. But man, you can live in a territory where the demonic presence is so strong. And the principality is so strong. But you got to keep praying and praying. It's not that God didn't hear you. He heard you. God had to send the archangel Michael to get Daniel's prayer through to him. And then Michael comes up to Daniel. He says, from the moment you prayed, God heard your prayers. But your prayer was held up in the spirit realm by the prince of Persia, the principality of that territory. He says, but God sent me. And watch what he says. And now I am come. I am here because of your words. Take 
courage. If you don't have your prayer, if you've been praying for a while and you know it's the will of God, you keep praying. And then you have somebody else pray with you. Bring somebody else in there with you. Where two or more can agree on earth, that's touching anything they ask will be done by my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. One can put a thousand flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Take courage. Take courage. Take courage. Take courage. I had on here, be encouraged. No, that's good. Sometimes you just got to take it. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Sometimes you just got to go take it. I know I'm probably yelling today, huh? Man, I've been chewing on this word for a while. And here's my final thought. Here's what I want you to remember. Whatever you're going through, it's only temporary. It's just temporary, Mitch. It's temporary, Zach. It's temporary, Ember. Mike, it's just temporary, man. It's temporary, Eunice, Marcia, Rachel, Rob, Sarah. It's temporary. Sarah, it's temporary. Temporary, Kathy. No matter what you're facing, it's temporary. I know that you guys can, can remember going through things and you're like, surely, God, this one's going to take me out. <laughs> you still living? You still breathing? God used that thing as a testimony to encourage someone else? It's only temporary. Why don't you stand with me?